0: This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Tuesday, June 16, 2015. I'm Caleb Brown. American millennials, those born from roughly 1980 to 1997, number some 87 million. They are more liberal, less politically engaged, but also more skeptical of military intervention. Trevor Thrall is co-author of the new Cato Report, Millennials and U.S. Foreign Policy, The Next Generation's Attitudes Towards Foreign Policy and War, and Why They Matter.
1: When we look at where people get their worldviews from, it turns out that they get most of it from the what we call the critical period or their impressionable years when they're between 14 and 24 years old. So when older people argue that younger people don't know anything, that may be true, but they're feeling a lot of things and the things that they are learning as young people are having
0: lifetime impact.
1: All right. So what?
0: how does uh, what those young people have experienced – How does that inform their views on foreign policy?
1: There are two big categories of things shaping millennials' foreign policy attitudes. One are things that aren't happening in in a certain way and the other is a set of events that have happened in their young lives. The first and most important underlying thing is the end of the Cold War and the rebalancing or shifting of the global balance of power. Without a, a unifying threat in the Soviet Union, millennials are just a lot less worried about national security than older folks are. Older people who had to grow up and live through the Cold War years with the fear of nuclear war uh, really were very uh, upset and uptight about national security issues. Millennials, however, um, are born into a world where they never knew that. Uh, they didn't live through um, you know, the fears of, of nuclear holocaust and things like that. And so they, they take a, a much more measured, I think um, approach to, to thinking about international security issues. The, the other thing is that they're also much more comfortable with um, the rise of China and the fact that the United States isn't necessarily number one on everything. They, they're unlike their parents, they're used to China always being a player on the international stage.
0: All right. so how do they identify themselves politically?
1: Uh, millennials tend to be uh, a little bit more liberal than, well, let's be fair, a lot more liberal in terms of their overall views. Um, it's too early to tell where they will finally shake out in terms of partisanship. But in terms of the liberal conservative spectrum, um, they're, they're, they're about 14 points more liberal uh, than uh, the Gen X, who themselves are about 10 or 11 points more liberal than um, the baby boomers. So in terms of the relationship between people's liberalness and some of their political views, policy views, uh, millennials definitely are on the liberal side of the spectrum.
0: When it comes to the United States having been engaged in essentially a perpetual state of war since uh, the end of 2001, how or what sense do we have of how that has influenced millennials' views of the military, the uses of the military, and I suppose the credibility really of the United States to undertake all of these adventures around the globe?
1: That's an excellent question, but I'll back up and and actually start just a step before that. One can imagine, as an older person thinking about the impact of 9-11 on, on younger people, t- to me, and I talk to my students in class a lot about this, I, I ask them a lot about their 9-11 experiences. Do you remember where you were? Oh, yes, I was in grade school. Or, you know, do, how do you, do you remember what your parents did? And so on and so forth. And And my presumption has always been that that 9-11 for young people was such a serious thing that it was really shaping their entire outlook on the world and their safety and what we should do about terrorism and all that sort of stuff. And you know that's true at one level, but it's not true necessarily in, in the way I assumed. I think a really reasonable assumption is that 9/11 would make the most impressionable Americans much more scared of terrorism. That that seems like a very straightforward assumption. And but it's wrong. Uh, millennials are less worried about international terrorism as a critical threat than older Americans. And so, it, partly because of that, they're much less uh, receptive to the global war on terror. They're They're much less likely to support the unilateral use of American military force to go take care of issues like terrorism. And and they're much more skeptical that that's producing positive results and much more likely to entertain the notion that the United States, in fact, did something to provoke 9-11. And I think the subsequent history makes people more certain of that rather than
0: less. If you agree with the work of uh, Steven Pinker and uh, here at the Cato Institute – John Mueller, then millennials' appreciation for how the world works when it comes to terrorism is right on the money.
1: Yeah, you no, know, in fact, you know, why can't we all just get along? I think uh, in some ways millennials are primed. Uh, for, for peace um, in, in a sense. They're much more supportive of multilateral action, much less interested in, in using military force to ensure uh, peace, and uh, so you know, much more interested in diplomacy. So yeah, I, th- I think millennials are, are probably
0: uh, already on that train. So what does it mean when you say that millennials, according to the, the data you've looked at, are less patriotic What does that mean?
1: Well, specifically two two things. One, uh, if you just ask them, do you consider yourself a very patriotic person, Um, a, a Now, a a big majority of millennials will say yes to that, but about, you know, maybe 80 percent. But that's a lot less than the 97 percent of the previous generations, number one. And number two, and this is, you know, was really surprising to me, uh, only 32 percent of millennials agree with the statement. The United States is the greatest country on on Earth, and that makes them the only generation – um, where a majority does not agree with that sentence. And it is a big gap. And you know that, that is a, a bit of a shocker to an older person who does in fact agree with that statement. And again, it's it's hard to not see 9-11 and the war on terror as, as part of the reason. I think many millennials think the United States has misbehaved pretty badly. And as a result, they're not willing to give <laughs> the United States a
0: preferred position. So having grown up essentially with Bill Clinton mm-hmm. – George Bush and Barack Obama as presidents, are millennials more jaded than uh, older <laughs> groups when it comes to uh, having elaborate elaborate frauds perpetrated on them by oh, people gosh. in positions of power?
1: You'd have to think so, wouldn't you? Although it hasn't been a good run, um, you know, since Vietnam. It's not uh, – pr- probably you couldn't say it's been a great run for Young people looking at the government. Um, it, interestingly, you know, Bill Clinton wound up a pretty popular uh, president, and so that—that's part of the argument, in fact, about how millennials got to be more liberal in the first place. They grew up under a popular Democratic president, followed by a relatively unpopular Republican president in terms of opinion, you know, the favorability ratings. Um, now, the interesting thing is, Obama came in on a wave of millennial favor, but he's been steadily losing it, um, and. Part of the obvious reason there is he hasn't been all that popular. So so on the one hand, um, you know, that doesn't speak much for millennials' trust in government. But uh, but it also suggests that, um, you know, perhaps the sort of early liberal leanings may be being tempered a little bit by,
0: you know, frankly, reality. Based on what you know and uh, based on we know that younger people typically are not politically engaged, uh, what hopes do you have for – Millennials going forward, in terms of maybe tempering some of the opinions that most young people seem to have when they're young, uh, with uh, sort of the the hard-nosed realities of the world.
1: That's a great question. I, I sometimes think of it like this: Imagine we're in the Oval Office in 2045, and uh, the president and her national security advisor are standing around with the vice president and the chairman of the Joint Chiefs, and. You're looking at a group of people all in their late 50s and early 60s and they're debating, let's say, whether to intervene somewhere in the Middle East, maybe Libya, maybe Syria again. And the national security Advisor listens for a while and jumps in and she says, "Um, this is going to be just like Iraq if we do this. And the question that we're trying to figure out here is, what's she going to (laughs) say? When she said, "Number one, it's in, instructive that she's going to use Iraq, and we know that because that's the number one thing that millennials are going to think of when they think of war." And the question then is, what, "What's what's the metaphor? What's the is this going to be a?" you mean a disaster like Iraq or is this going to be you know successful like Iraq was and and i think there the evidence suggests that millennials are are you know look with real uh, distrust mistrust at these kind of nation building interventionist strategies and i think th- their their probable contribution moving forward is going to be a real break
0: on american adventurism Trevor Thrall is co-author of the new Cato Report, Millennials and U.S. Foreign Policy, The Next Generation's Attitudes Toward Foreign Policy and War and Why They Matter. Download a copy at Cato.org.